we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Chris Fluitt, I'm glad for everybody in the room. I really am glad for the people in this room. I'm so glad you're here. Excellent. And I'm so glad for everybody that is joining us online. Thank you so much. Go ahead and reach out to us. We love to know that you're there. And if we've been any help to you, we love that. If you have any questions, we love to answer those questions about Jesus and faith. Uh, it is December, and everyone has turned their attention to Christmas and all the craziness and the hectic noise of Christmas. We are inundated with who knows how many commercials during the Christmas time. You cannot look at your phone. You can't look at social media. You can't listen to the radio. You can't look at an ad. You can't drive down the road with something in your face just Buy, buy. Christmas is about buying. Get to buying already. Get that card out and charge, charge, charge. We feel like this season has become just too much of that. Too complex and too hectic and just too much all about money. And we are suggesting that we enjoy a simple Christmas this year. One more time. Say simple. This is keep it simple season. Some people say keep, keep it simple stupid. We're not saying that. Because y'all aren't stupid. It's keep it simple season this year. We need to take a step from the complex and hectic and step into the simple. This December, I want you to deliberately make some decisions in your life to, to step away from the complex. Take a moment and find something that's complex and say, no, instead of do that, I think we're going to do this. Instead of going to five parties on one day, I think we'll just go to maybe one. How about that? And, and instead of just a bunch of running around, let's have a little bit of hot cocoa at the house. And let's focus on things that really matter. And that simple reason for this whole season is Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is supposed to be about. So we got to make it about that. Make it everything in the world is going to try to pull you away from that simple truth. But you are going to grab a hold of it and we're going to join you with it. This year. Last week we told you about a simple peace. We talked about Mary and Joseph a lot. They had relationship problems. And mostly all of our Christmas stories, when we're retelling those stories, we leave out all that part. But that is all of the backstory. The backstory is that it was rough between Joseph and Mary. They had relationship problems and they also had provision problems. But in the end, they were together, and they were with God, and that was enough. That's enough. That's enough for us. Today, I want you to find simple joy. Last week, we talked about simple peace. This week, we're talking about simple joy. Somebody say simple joy. What is keeping you from experiencing joy this season? It's probably worry. Would you agree? What keeps you from really experiencing joy? Would you agree that it's probably a bunch of worry? What are you worried about? Are you worried about what others think? Go ahead and nod your head because it's true. Most of us are worried about you are. I want to tell you if you are if you are not worried about other what other people think. Congratulations to you because you are in the minority of people. Most of us are worried about what other people think. Are we worried about the choices other people will make? So now you're, you're not worried about what they think, but you're worried about what they're going to do. You're like, no, 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 don't do that. 
no, 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 no. You're like you're in every conversation going, oh, God, don't say that. Please don't bring that up. Oh, don't talk about politics. Oh, no, we can't talk about religion. No, oh, don't talk about this. Oh, he's a Colts fan. Don't bring up last Sunday, Skay. All these things. All these things. You're worried about what other people are, what choices they're going to make and what they're going to say and what, what they're going to think and do. How about this one? You're worried about the economic future. Anybody worried about the economic future? And you would not be crazy to be worried about such things because it's, it's kind of frightening. It's like, whoa, where, where, where are things going, right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, someone earlier this year uh, uh, gave their offering in cryptocurrency. That was, we probably should have taken that out of those. A little bit before, pray church for that cryptocurrency turnaround. But are you worried about the, the economic future? That is something to definitely worry about. I, I could see that. How about this one? You're worried about the results of like a medical exam. You're worried about something in your health. You're worried about something in, in your body that you don't understand what's going on. I want to tell you worry, all this worry can rob you of joy. It absolutely can. The fear of uncertainty is the enemy of joy. Do you agree with that today? I want you to learn this. You can't be joyful and fearful at the same time. I don't know anybody that can do that. I can't do that. You cannot be joyful and fearful at the same time. And usually it's when a, something you're afraid of gets knocked down and defeated in your life that that's when you become joyful. Have you ever noticed that? There's a big giant out in the middle of the field. His name's Goliath. And everybody's scared of him. But when Goliath goes down, then those same people that were quiet and they're like, be quiet, David, don't talk. When Goliath goes down, then they automatically what? Cheered and rejoiced and they were full of joy. What happened? Did God suddenly become God to them? No. What they were afraid of was taken out of the way. What is that telling us? That you can't be fearful and joyful at the same time. If you're having trouble with joy today, it's because you're having trouble with fear. Fear and joy cannot occupy the same space. They can't be in the same brain. They can't be in the same heart. They can't come out of the same conversation. Are you occupied with fear or joy today? If you're occupied with fear, are you ready to change that? Do you see the need to change that today? And do you believe that God can help you change that today? Who believes it? I believe it with all my heart. That's why I'm here today. I am like the Blues Brothers. I am sent here today with a message from God. And it is that you don't have to be afraid anymore. You can be full of joy. Maybe not just like the Blues Brothers, but still, Vicki, I believe I'm here today with a message from God. Do you often flip back and forth from joy to fear? Do you do that depending on the time of day? Maybe from one moment to the next, depending on the next phone call? It's like, I'm having a good day. You look, you hear your phone go off, and maybe you recognize the ringtone. Or maybe you see the name that comes across it, and you're like, ah. Uh, and suddenly, it's no longer a good day because they're calling. Or maybe a letter comes in the mail. There is something that takes you from one moment to the next. And maybe you're just like a pendulum in your life. Sometimes you're fearful. Sometimes you're joyful. If you're that way, then you are lacking true stability. And... 
can I get a little honest? Nobody's going to tell you this because we all love you, but I'm going to just tell you. It's hard to be around you when you're like that because we don't know who, who we're talking to. Is it the scared out of their minds person that's like doomsday or is it the joyful person? Right. Is it that person I, I can come to and, and celebrate with? Or are they going to rain on everything with their joy, with their fear and, and dash my joy? We can't do that. At any moment, you could say hello to your fear on a phone call and say goodbye to your joy. Is that you? God wants you to change that today. Receive simple joy. The original Christmas story teaches us about a simple joy. Now remember, from last week, I told you very clearly that the original Christmas story is not simple. Anybody remembers that? It's not simple. The original Christmas story was complex and hectic. Four different times God instructs the characters of that original Christmas story to fear not. Four different characters at four different times in that story. Fear not. There was a lot of fear and worrying during that first Noel. I want to talk to you about out of control worry. Most of our worry is over things that are out of control. I kind of gave you a little list of things that you're, that you're worried about earlier. I listed some things that you're worried about. And guess what? They were all out of your control. Remember? Worried about what other people think. What other people think. What other people think. So worried that you worried that I bobbied how I was going to say that. You're worried how other people think about you? That's completely out of your control. Worried about the choices other people are going to make? Totally out of your control. Worried about the economic future? <laughs> Good luck controlling that. Worried about the results of a medical exam? On and on. You are worried about things that you cannot control. You have an out-of-control worry. All of these worries are out of the scope of your influence. We often worry about the things that we can't control. And it makes you wonder, why are we so driven to control not in my notes but here it is it's because we we play God way too much we need to let God be God and let him control those things let him be Lord over those things instead of us trying to control all these things like what people think and what people do and and what happens all around us that original Christmas story was full of out of control worry here are some things that they were worried about. The Roman government. We'll keep it real simple today, really short. But the Roman government, who can control the government? Can anybody control the government? Oh, my goodness, guys. I, you know what? You get a vote, and you should definitely go vote. But I'm telling you, that vote, it's like throwing a pebble in the ocean. <laughs> like to really change something with your vote, you can't control your vote. I, I, I called up Washington and said, if you don't lower my taxes, I'm not going to vote for you this year. And they, they laughed at me. It, you can't control the government. We recently had re-elections in the United States. And every time there's an election, you know what? There's a spike of a worry. Everybody's worried. Everybody's worried. 100% of the people are worried during the election. It's great. Oh, it's so terrible. Everybody's worried before and after. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. You're worried. Somebody say amen. amen. 
It's the truth. We're worried. Well, guess what? There's governmental worry in this original Christmas story. They're worried about the Roman government. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus, that's the leader of Rome. He issued a decree that a census should be taken out of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, and everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Most know that Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem. Often overlooked is the fact that neither Joseph or Mary lived in Bethlehem. But they lived in a city called Nazareth in the area of Galilee. It's off the Sea of Galilee. It's in that northern part of that sea. Nazareth is in the northern part of Israel. And Bethlehem is southern Israel and is around 70 miles in distance as the crow flies, right? Just right there. You can pick it up on Google Maps right now and tell me the difference between Bethlehem and Nazareth, and they'll tell you at 70 miles. But the terrain between these two regions is mountainous, and it could have caused them, probably caused them, likely caused them to go out of the way an extra 20-something miles so we're talking 90 miles. Everyone say 90 miles. 90 mile trip from Bethlehem to, from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mary, what was going on in Mary's life right now? Does anybody remember? She was pregnant. Mary was late in pregnancy. Good Lord. Husbands, if your wife is ever pregnant, Call me, I will pray for you. Pray for you. Because you will do something stupid in that pregnancy in those moments, and she will remember it for the rest of your life. And I'm going to pray that God's grace would cover you in those moments. And also for your wife to, you know, deliver. <laughs> but Mary is late in pregnancy. It is a real critical time. It is a rough season. And where is she now? She's on a donkey. She is riding on a donkey through the mountains. Does this sound ideal? They estimate that it took nearly five days to make that journey. When you are in the late stages of pregnancy, you should not travel very far from home. Every doctor tells you that. And yet there is Mary. She's out in the middle of nowhere on a mountain on a donkey. And any moment she could give birth to the Savior of the world. Mary and Joseph would have never chosen this journey on their own. It was out of their control. Someone else who was living in a palace back in Rome decided, you know what? We need to take a census, send everybody back to their home where they're from. That is why they're on this journey. They didn't decide it. And nor could they fight it. Caesar, the emperor of the world, the emperor of world power, had decided to take a census and to force everyone to return back to their home. 
of origin. That's why they're here. They can't control it. I'm telling you, there are things that happen outside of your control. This difficult situation was completely out of the control of Joseph and Mary. Maybe you can relate to an out-of-control situation that's dictating your life right now. Next, talk about this one. Somebody say, the king of the Jews? We know that after Jesus was born, some wise men came. We actually don't know how many wise men there are. We also call them magi in scripture. But we know that they were following a, a star. Right? And these wise men, they, they traveled from afar and now they're in Israel. And they go up to a man who had the title of king. He was called King Herod. And he really wanted you to call him king, like a lot. Nobody really wanted him as their king, but somehow he was in the favor of Caesar and became king. All right. So the wise men go up and do something very foolish. For wise men, they were very foolish. Do you know what they did? They walked up and asked the guy who fancied himself to be the king of the Jews. They asked him, hey, where's the newborn king of the Jews? This guy and his family line, the family line of Herod, they have killed other people and each other to be king. And they walk, they walk up and go, hey, there's a little baby boy around here that's the actual king of, of the Jews. Do you know where he is? They did this. Who are these people? Did Mary and Joseph have anything to do with this? Did they ask them to do this? No one. Did an angel ask them to do this? Nobody. They opened their big mouth to Herod. What happens? Matthew 2. Let's look at it. Verse 1 through 3. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, that's the wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? It's right there. They did it. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was so happy. Is that what it says? When King Herod saw this, he said, I'm going to put up a Christmas tree. Is that what he says? My goodness, it's time to give gifts. You got gold, frankincense, myrrh? I'm going to get cryptocurrency. Here, let's go. We'll give it to the... No, not at all. He was disturbed, and not only him, all of Jerusalem with him. What's this about? People were out of their minds because these wise men opened their mouths. Now, the magi, the wise men, they did end up finding Jesus and worshiping him. And that's a great story. But that's used, this is the part of the story nobody lets you hear about. We don't talk about this story. This is not simple at all. Those wise men caused a lot of trouble. They caused a great deal of trouble for Joseph and Mary. What ends up happening? Here's what happens. Matthew 2, verse 13, same chapter. When they had gone, an angel, they is the magi. They leave. They're like, oh, wasn't that so wonderful? What a blessed event. We have seen the Christ child and we have worshiped him. Here's what happens after they leave. It's like the after the party's over and you have to clean up, this is what happens. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, 
he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt. This is a part of the Christmas story, and it's not simple. This is the part of the Christmas story, and it's actually scary. He woke up from a dream, and sometimes you have these wonderful, good God dreams, and sometimes you have these scary God dreams that say, run. This is one of those. They started in Nazareth, remember? They went how many miles to Jerusalem? Yeah, 70 miles away, there, but they traveled probably 90 miles. And now they're running for their life to where? Egypt. Where's Egypt? <laughs> it's a whole nother country. Likely 300 to 400 extra miles for them to travel. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, wise men, for stopping by. 300 to 400 mile journey, at least, easily. This was completely out of their control. They had nothing to do with this. There were things that were happening. They couldn't control what was said, what was going on. They couldn't control what was going on in the heart of somebody named Augustus, nor somebody that, that was named Herod. They couldn't control the mouths of these wise men. They had never even met them when they had told Herod, where is this newborn king of the Jews? This does not seem like a simple Christmas. How could they possibly experience simple joy during a time like this? A lot of us would be unhappy if, if a power out of our control forced us to run from our life far away from our home and country. We'd be really upset. You know it's true. Because we're upset when the Wi-Fi is not working. We're upset over far lesser things, right? We're upset because our meal's taking a little too long at the Denny's. That's us. That's us. They got my Starbucks special drink wrong. How could they? Or sometimes the Starbucks drink is not Christmassy enough. And they're like, well, what is this? And we get angry about such silly, silly things. A lot of us become unhappy and, and are robbed from joy for far less. But I want to tell you real quick, I want to teach you that there is a difference between happiness and joy. Say happiness and joy. Happiness depends on happenings. You can say that out loud. It's something you need to remember. Happiness depends on happenings. And joy depends on God. Happiness is only achieved when the good thing happens. The good thing happens and we're like, all right, yeah, good stuff. All right, I'm happy now. Right? And this could be why you're depressed and sad during the Christmas season. It could be why you're frustrated and anxious. Because you're trying to make the good thing happen and it hasn't happened yet and it might not happen. 
sometimes the thing you're worried about is out of your control. So the thing you're trying to create that makes you happy is also out of your control. And you're trying to make that person think a certain way and they're not thinking that certain way. And so you're robbed of happiness. You're try, you, someone needs to do a certain thing and they're not doing it like you want to. So you're unhappy. Some of us, hey, Christian friends, I love you, I love you. But listen, we're praying for somebody and God's timing is just not our timing. We're praying for somebody to get saved and we don't see it yet. And so we're not happy about it. We lose complete joy. We're praying that something would happen in our life at a, right now, that a healing would happen. It's not happening right now. So we're not happy about it. And you can only be happy at a happening. But joy is supernatural. It's beyond natural happenings. Joy comes from who? It comes from God. God's joy does not depend on happenings. Happiness is about good things. Joy is about God things. What are you focused on today? That complex, hectic, original Christmas story. It had a simple but supernatural Joy. Joy was present even when things weren't happening. Joy was present even when things were out of control. The wise men were overjoyed. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9 through 10. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I love that picture. You've got this star. Some people think the star is Halley's Comet, but I have never seen a comet stop over a place. Has anybody seen, like it's leading you and then suddenly it stops right there. This star stopped over the place where Jesus was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were, they were overjoyed. The angel told a man named Zechariah, we talked a little bit about him last week, that his son, whose name is to be John the Baptist, would be a joy. John the Baptist is the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verse 14, the angel, uh, the, the angel said, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Real quick, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, she was barren. She couldn't have children. There was a lot of hardship there. There was a lot of sad years there. There was a lot of sadness there. There were a lot of probably tears over a child they could never have. And now an angel has come to tell them that this child is going to bring them great joy. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, experienced great joy when a pregnant Mary came to see her, Luke chapter 1, verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting, this is Elizabeth speaking, as soon as she heard the greeting of Mary, as soon as your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. A little John the Baptist. Mary walks in the room and that baby leaps. But it's not a normal leap. She says, this is Elizabeth's words, that baby leaped for joy. And then the angels promised 
good news and great joy to the shepherds. Real quick, shepherds, who are shepherds? Well, shepherds are the outcasts. Shepherds are the forgotten worker in Israel. They all depended on shepherds, but no one really ever remembered and respected the shepherds. But we read, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I want to tell you that Jesus brings great joy to all the people. All the people. All the people. I don't care what religion you call yourself today. Jesus came to bring you joy. If you're an atheist today and you're like, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. I'm like, okay, that's all right. I want to tell you he came to bring you joy. Could you use some of that today? If you're Buddhist, if you're, if you're Muslim, if you, if you believe that Jesus is just a good teacher but not truly the Messiah, if you believe that he was just a good man and not really the son of God, that he's not Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to me. We can, we can hash all of that out later. What I want to tell you today is that Jesus came to bring you joy. Are you willing to search for that joy he's got for you? Joseph and Mary faced things that were out of their control. Someone say amen. Amen. You are facing things that are out of control. Someone say amen. Amen. Oh, absolutely. But Joseph and Mary were never out of God's control. Someone say amen. Amen. Now, you don't have to say amen because I'm going to say it. You are not out of God's control either. Amen and amen. I believe it with all my heart. Remember, they were forced to go 70 miles to Bethlehem, right? What an awful thing. Do you think God was surprised by that? He's not surprised by that. The correct answer to that is no. God's not surprised by that. In fact, God knew about this so far in the future that there's a prophecy about it. Do you know that prophecy? Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem. Euphrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. What's this talking about? They were from Nazareth, but God took them to Bethlehem so that this ruler named Jesus could be They were forced to go 100 miles more, right? 300, 400 miles more to Egypt. Who could have ever seen something like that? This had to be out of God's control. Wrong. It's not out of God's control. It was so much in God's control that there's a prophecy about that too. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. And out of Egypt, I call my son. God, none of it was out of God's control. It was out of Joseph's control. It was out of Mary's control. But it was actually all a part of God's plan. Can we shift our focus away from trying to control all the happenings 
And can we shift towards surrendering to the will of God? Joy depends on God. Do you agree? Joy depends on God. But you might be thinking today, and if you are, I'm I'm ready for you. You might be thinking, but I still have problems. How can I be joyful when I got the problems? How can I be joyful when I've got a doctor's report? How can I be how can I be all smiles and giggles when I am having trouble paying the electric bill? How can I have joy? Well, I want to tell you. First Peter chapter one, verse eight through ten. Let's look at it together. Though you have not seen him, it says, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First Peter chapter 1, 8 through 10. Listen. What is that saying? It's post-Christmas. It's actually post-crucifixion and resurrection and ascension. He's looking at people that are looking for the return of Jesus. And they haven't seen him yet. They don't see him yet. They have not seen him right standing in front of them. And isn't that us also? But he says, even though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you have not seen him, you believe in him. And because you believe in him, you have an inexpressible, glorious joy. Before you see the answer, you can have the joy. Because the joy doesn't depend on the happening. The joy shows up when God shows up. Right now, I believe that God is in this room. That means joy is in this room for you. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550.